Hello and welcome to Dan and Matt's Football Chat. Um, this is our fourth episode uh, in our uh, most recent series. Um, you can find us on danandmattsfootballchat.com as well as uh, various social media channels, including Instagram. Um, and yeah, how are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, Dan. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Great, welcome okay. to another episode on a yes, Sunday night we are. in sunny Melbourne. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was sunny for most of the day, to be fair, and the rain came in a little bit. But anyway, we won't go there because weather is quite well. Um, we today we're we're going to have a little chat. <laughs> we let's not talk about your washing. Um, that really is low, scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, yes. uh, yeah um, engagement. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, we're going to talk today a bit about the World Cup because we're 10 days into the Women's World Cup, which is obviously here. Myself and, and Matt attended a game last week, so we've got a few we reflections, things we noticed that we'll talk a bit about. Um, and we're going to start talking generally, I think. Then we'll go into a little bit of the detail on the games, uh, talk a bit about um, you know players and incidents and so on, because as we know, Australia uh, on a bit of a knife edge. Uh, but yes. we'll come. We'll go on to that maybe um, a little bit later. Um, so, Matt, what are your initial thoughts? Like ten days in, uh, what, what's what's your um, take homes take home points from the World Cup so far? Uh, I would say a bit of a slow start. I mean, we got to go and see an, an early game, the Nigeria Canada game. But for me, I feel like I didn't really get into it until about five days ago. Um, just mm. yeah, I think just because of work and. Um, it's a bit of a weird time because the the World Cup's on whilst obviously all the winter sports in Australia like you know AFL Australian rules football and NRL rugby league are on um, so it's kind of a bit you know it's it's not like it's not everywhere it's just you know that it's competing with the bits but um, I would say I've got more into it and the quality of game seems to have improved I think there's I think there was it was it reminded me a bit of the older um watching a world cup when i was younger you know the men's world cup where the first usually you know group games the first kind of games would often be quite cagey and no one really wants to lose which is understandable and i felt like that was the case a bit with this um with this with the women's world cup this year I have to say overall i think the first the quality of plays improved a lot you know um and i'm i'm very much aware that we have to you know, bear in mind that women's football's come from a different position to men's football, you know, just from the fact that men's football's been professional for a lot longer. But um, I can remember watching the Women's World Cup in 2007 and the the, the improvement in what what's that like, 14, 15 years, 16 years actually, correctly. Um uh, it's massive like the actual level of the of of um te- you know the technical level just the overall fitness etc has gone up so that's that's mad um i think yeah overall i've i've started getting into it a bit more now um i was trying to watch colombia germany but obviously we've had to schedule this <laughs> this uh, pod at some point this week cause it's been difficult um and colombia were currently beating germany 1-0 so a bit of a turn up for the books Ooh, but yeah overall um i would say intro- you know England women's team seem to be replicating the men's team by kind of grinding out good results and Australia well the Matildas have got it all to play for which I'm sure we'll, we'll have a chat about but yeah that's that's my thoughts in a nutshell a bit of a slow start but I've now got right into it and I'm, I'm watching most yeah. games as the, much as I can all I think all World Cup tournaments start off 
with the kind of there's a sort of lack of there's no reference point when you have that first group game so it's like you're sort of yeah. feeling your way into it um we yeah. you know we went to the nigeria canada game which ended up on a draw on a bit of a nil-nil specialist that world cup tournament. <laughs> well i have um, to just pause but, just <laughs> briefly interrupt you there daniel had i known about your um let's say less than favorable world cup watching record I mean, I probably still would have gone, but I might have thought about it a bit longer than yes. Yeah, great. I mean, it's extreme. I was also present at England's six-two demolition of uh, in their first group game of of, of Iran yeah. in the. Well, so it's kind of extremes, but yeah, I was. But my point was, Nigeria's yeah, celebrations sorry. was like they'd almost won the tournament um, yeah. on on drawing that first game, because yeah. you know, and it's an old cliche, but you know, don't lose your first game because if you lose your first game. You could potentially be out in your second game were you to lose that too. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think there's always an element of feeling that player, you know, teams um, such as Nigeria, particularly, you know, the low and medium ranked teams are always going to go into those games. They're going, they're going to be, um, they're not going to risk anything, um, yeah. and they're going to like pack, pack the box when there's any, when any, any attack. Um, and I don't think. Um, maybe yeah, the, the, and if they're up against teams that maybe can't unpick that defence, then you're always going to get st- more stalemates in that first game. So I think yeah, um, the there have been yeah not that many um, draws, but and then there's actually probably less um, blowouts than I can remember as well. Like when I remember yeah, historically, that's, that's, that's a good point. you haven't got yeah. the kind of yeah. you've had we've had a few four five there's six a six nil today. Yeah, there was another yeah. one, but there's, there was prior to today. I think there was only another three that were like four, five, or six nil. So, yeah, that, which you know they do happen. I mean, they happen in men's tournaments, by the way. I mean, there's, yeah. uh, that, that that has happened uh, in, in 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 living memory. But but the yeah the women's game where you get the the kind of um, mismatches almost that don't seem to be happening quite as so much. My reflections are, I think. I've got a kind of serious reflection and I've got some more like playful reflections, but the the fact that both hosts won their opening game, I think is big. Having said that, obviously, since I thought that, <laughs> both hosts have since lost their second game. Yeah. So it's kind of and like... New Zealand. Yeah, and then, and yeah, and New Zealand were, you know, they, they had that great swell of um, optimism in that first game, but it kind of just shows you it's, it's knockout, well... It's group, then knockout, and the thing you can go from, uh, you know, one one extreme to the other in you know a few days because you're playing games so quickly. Um, just the, I think uh, the, I'm liking the '90s um, themes to the to the fashion. And again, again, I'm not I'm not a fashionista, but I love the um, the sort of high high waisted Nike anthem jackets. They look like cut off dressing gowns. Yeah. I think you know they're kind yeah. of buttoned up. They look very generously proportioned, and they're also yeah. not quite to the waist. Um, so right. not, I like them. I love the um, that the the Adidas shirts. And by the way, Nike and Adidas obviously they dominate the kits. I think about 78, 70 percent. Can, can I just like can I just just yes interject yeah. very quickly? Sure. Just on that though, I am going to say this: the the Vietnamese kit manufacturer. I still like the fact there's a they've got some random. I was going to look it up before the pod, but I forgot <laughs> being a professional. But they've got some random manufacturer of their kit that I've never heard of. Um, so while you talk about that, I might just quickly look them up. Yeah. But yeah, I, you Google I, that. I, I find that you. out. Cause I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's the fashion has been good to see, but the uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's good to see that like, you still get a random kit manufacturer. Just, yeah. yeah, well, on that, oh yeah, but you've the, yeah, the smaller nations do like to have their own sort of uh, national uh, kit manufacturer that you've never heard of outside of the country. But then, ironically, Vietnam they make everyone else's. They've got Nike and Adidas. <laughs> I'm sure have <laughs> like they, which is weird, right? Because they like they make yeah. everything. 
Yeah, they can't get a Nike contract for love nor money. (laughs) Welcome welcome to capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He goes, why haven't they got Nike? They make it all over there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? They could have a word with, like, you know, relatives. They wish they could do knockoff ones out the back back door, you know. Anyway, also the Adidas kits, the oversized numbers, have you noticed? The numbers are massive on the backs of the shirts. It looks like a sort of early 90s comp. So, yeah, I I I love that because it makes me feel at home. I'm not yeah. sure about yeah the anthem jackets. I've not seen that before, but it is a sort of '90s thing, I think. Um, uh, just that sort of baggy look. Um, but yeah, I think there's been quite a few foul throws, and I know I'm nitpicking. Um, oh, but the, there's been and we saw a few. We, we, oh, we, it's not it's not being picked up, and it and I know it's like yeah. you know you may seem may think I'm an, um, I'm nitpicking, but yeah, um, the, it's weird. the game we went I'm, to. Yeah, go on, yeah, sorry. I don't get it. Yeah, no. So I was going to say the, the 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 foul throws. I was watching a game yesterday. I forget which game it was. Now I think it was the um, uh, what it was the the late the late night game and um, the amount of foul throws. I think I saw. And then I, I was actually wondering, is it because? <laughs> just bear with me on this one. Is it because a lot of the women players have ponytails, so it kind of looks like they're foul throwing it. <laughs> But then I don't know why. It's just the motion of them throwing the ball appears to be like there's multiple foul throws. What it's you just think very... they're kind of getting it caught in their ponytail mat or something? I don't is know. That, I don't. It just look, I don't know if it's the actual motion because it does literally look like a lot of the time they're rolling. Oh, the a couple ball of them were like releasing it like above their eyebrows. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah. That's anyway, that. anyway, sorry, I interrupted anyway. you there. And they also, and I get, maybe if we move on. So the game we went to, we went to a game yep. uh, last Friday in the in the lovely Melbourne sunshine. We actually take I take our jackets off, Matt. We were like right. Some was right in front of us. It was sunglasses and t-shirts, which is bizarre for the Melbourne winter, if anyone knows that. Um, And yeah, it was, um, and again, it was a nil-nil, as we've said. Canada did miss the penalty, so it nearly wasn't a nil-nil. Yeah. But what I noticed about going to that game too was the, the, the hesitancy to for the referee to brandish yellow cards a couple of times early on when they that's been a theme of the tournament for me. Yeah. yeah, just not not really yeah. getting and and I don't, it's not like I go to football to want to wish yellow cards on players, but no, but we don't do that. it. We both if you that. don't do it, it has implications later in the game, and then if it, and someone ends up getting sent off later in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, and and maybe yeah. if you stamped on that earlier, it might have been maybe that's a bad use of words. Not stamped on things <laughs> earlier, but um, you yeah, know, really if you stamped on things earlier, you yeah, you, you eradicate that earlier. Um, yeah, there's been lots of penalties. There's lots been lots of VAR. What, what do you think about the uh, the mic'd up referee thing? The kind of I don't the, really uh, get the point. The NFL thing. What when I they I don't got really the get mic. The, I don't really get the point of the mic because without wishing to sound horrifically judgmental here as an Englishman. The the lang- they're speaking in English, so it's not often quite clear what they're actually saying because it's clearly a second language for a lot of the referees or most of them. And also, they basically just sort of say, "We've was it? You know, we've reviewed it and it's a penalty." There's no actual explanation of why the decision's been made, which I think is a it's, it's a missed opportunity for me because because now we've we've seen VAR for so long. Um, in the last like five or six years it's been around, we, we you kind of know when um, they're going to give a penalty or they're going to make a decision. You know, you can sort of body language. You don't have to be that great on body language to tell. But for me, I just feel they kind of just come out and say, we've reviewed it, it's a penalty, or we've reviewed it, it's a yellow card, a red card. And I, I kind of feel like saying, for me, I, th- I wish they would say, in American football, they go, you know, they'll actually tell you, 
why the decision's been made. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel like it's a again. It's with VAR. I just you know you know me. I'm not going to go on about VAR. Not a fan of VAR. Uh, but would I feel you also, like would you also would you also ask them to throw like different coloured hankies onto the field as well, Matt? Like in NFL, you know, the brown cloths that get thrown on. Would that be something you would like to be introduced? I remember re- I remember once I remember once reading in some opinion piece that it comes up every few years. Like we could learn from American sport, and the um, you know a manager could throw a, a, like a decision you don't know or a decision review flag or something but um no i just i just i, I just feel like if well you know you still we were in the stadium when they reviewed the decision for the red card and we didn't have a clue what was going on until you know the referee turned around and said it's a red card you're like okay great well why you I know i remember it did they didn't show it on the screen i can't remember whether they, nah, they didn't show it, the tackle on the screen no they did they showed they the show penalty. they don't show anything on the screen as either if you, you're hit, right though maybe if, if you're not going to compliment the decision with actually the the visuals of what actually happened you're yeah. missing a piece some not all decisions some are obvious where you go was it a handball right. or not and then she says the ref says yes it was that like, you get that yeah but yeah where because that foul happened we didn't even know i no. no one was really like noticing it was, it was in the 89th like minute or something it was a it bit was of a, odd yeah it was an odd, yeah, it was it was odd. odd thing. I, I just I, I feel like you though I wouldn't say the referees necessarily worse than the men's game or anything like that. I think what's what I've actually come to th- realise myself is that it's the same game that's evolved differently um, for men and for women, basically, because the referee, like the you know, me, me and you were watching that game, for example, and we were saying, well, you know, why is that not a yellow card? You know, there's a couple of quite tasty challenges where you just think, well, automatically, the football we've watched over the last few years, you know, that's going to be a booking, but. I feel from yeah. a lot of the games that I've watched that the, the in women's like well elite level football there is uh, there's more of a tendency for these things to be sort of you know for the referee to let it go maybe make a decision but not booking but that that's something I, I don't know that's just a feeling yeah. I've got from what I've seen, I heard so. I um I heard Nigeria described as being like really attacking they were counter attacking but they weren't yeah. attacking I mean they were packing the box with six or seven players and we saw this against Australia as well they were packing yeah. six or seven bodies in the box every time Australia came forward into, and they did exactly yeah. the same with Canada and they, they just tried to bomb yeah. and they just yeah. yeah they were counter but they were like yeah. oh an amazing attacking and I'm like well I suppose they are attacking but I, when I, when people say they're an attacking team I, I sort of take that to mean they're going to sort of risk things by attacking like leaving gaps behind them but they don't no. do that they they no. um but yeah but but credit to them they've got that draw and then they've obviously gone on to then beat australia um yeah earlier what like, you, a few i mean days just ago. on that on the i mean we're talking about it now <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on the matilda's loss I thought they were poor. I think they had no, yeah. like, they kind of controlled the ball um, without really having any, I mean, it's a really obvious thing to say, but with no real yeah. cutting edge, because that cutting, yeah, no, their cutting edge has got a calf, industry, a calf issue. Um, yeah. So, but pleasingly, she, she said that she's going to, they've travelled to Melbourne and I think they're, she's yeah. going to be fit for that. I mean, you'd play her on Sorry, one leg anyway, probably. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. you hope she doesn't do any more damage um, and th- that puts her out for any f- potential future games. But they are potential future games because Australia need a result. And they yeah. probably need to win if you look at it. I mean, they've obviously, they're on that knife edge now where they've got three points. Yeah. Ireland play yeah. Nigeria. Um, now, yeah. Nigeria, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, Ireland, Ireland played well in patches, probably a bit naive in that they played well for parts of the game. But yeah, poor yeah. game management against Canada. And having gone in at halftime 1-0 up, then... Um, yeah, 
conceded two goals and didn't really manage the game as well as they might. But they did play well. Like they can probably yeah, come out of their two games could've... and go, well, probably they played well. They've they just got it's their first tournament, so a lot of those they could have drawn not against. Played. They could have quite easily drawn against um, the Matildas as well they in that game. Done. They could have done. So I, if you I look think, at the points. Yeah. I mean, Canada is sitting top of the group. Um, they've got mm. four points, and also obviously Nigeria have the four points too. Um, so yeah. Australia have got to get got to get above it's a massive Canada, game a draw might not be enough because if Nigeria um, go and beat um, beat Ireland they'll top yeah. the group and then it's between Canada and um, Australia so look they've got to win it you'd think you've probably got to go out to win it um, a draw could be enough but it's um, unlikely to be enough given that if they, if uh, they win it they're yeah. through if they draw then they don't know do they so they're, they're probably not through would, would, they have, would they have to rely on Ireland to beat Nigeria is that yeah 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 that's the problem so they've got to win um, so it's a, win, it's, a win, it's, it's a game they've got to win yeah absolutely and, and the, the problem is the last two times they've played um, Canada they've they've lost both those games one I think it was 1-0 mm. and 2-1 so look You'd hope that they'll. I, I hope they get through because obviously you know I'm half Australian now that mm. I'm a citizen, but also just for the game and I just think for Australia. But um, yeah. it, I mean, we've been up to Amy Park. We were there like a couple, you know, just ten days ago. It's a great football stadium. It's small comparatively to like you, you know, you kind of a lot of the stadiums over here. Thirty thousand people. The acoustics are great. If if Australia can get going, the atmosphere will be brilliant for them. So yeah. They do have a kind of 12th man effect there, or 12th person, as I should say. And, um, mm. yeah, I, I just hope I, I hope they can do it, but it does worry me because I thought defensively, I have to say, you know, goalkeeping, defensively and with and with the goalkeeper against Nigeria, they were very poor. Like, you could, some, you know, the, yeah. the goals they can see were just bang average, def- bad. Nigeria got a bit of luck with that. Was it the second one? With the the deflection that kind of just yeah, but it was a good, it was a, just, still it was still it was a neat finish at the end, but yeah, yeah. But, but she's on her own, you know. And then the the third goal, there's just the poor communication. You kind of feel like you yeah. you make mistakes like that, you get punished. So yeah, look, it's it's, yeah. it's all set up for a big one. And then obviously, you know, just touching on um, England, kind of seem to be doing pretty well, but unfortunately. Yep. You know, in the middle of doing well, they take is it Walsh who looks like she's she's yeah. done her knee badly and is like well apparently it's not. I'm just reading today. Apparently yeah. it's not an ACL. They've come out and said it's not an ACL injury. It's like I didn't think it was. It's like, it's, it's like we're all doctors now, and we go, oh yeah, it's well, an ACL. Like we all know, I we all know. Like oh, yeah, that's a women. Her reaction <laughs> yeah. definitely an ACL. Yeah. Well, no, you I, see any I, knee injury I, and someone goes down having yeah. twisted their knee, and you go, oh yeah, it's an ACL. But apparently it's not. Um, no. But it's likely to keep her out for a little while, and they don't really know. So, I, look, of... as someone who has done their ACL, um, I actually thought. Obviously, I'm now an expert on it, but I am. Um, I, th- I actually, it looks like she might have just tweaked. A, you know, I'd say tweaked, but you can sort of tweak your cartilage in your knee like a meniscal tear. You know, you literally tweak your knee, and all of a sudden you're torn your cartilage, and you, you, but that's you're out for four weeks anyway. So. She literally said, "I've done my knee." You could see her say it. You know, you know, um, yeah. breathing is also one of my many skills. And um, but you can she, tell an ACL uh, quite quickly, can't you? You can oh, grab yeah, the leg yeah. and like you manipulate the knee, and if it's yeah. loose, 
in one particular direction, then you can sort of work that well, out. If, I don't know if you remember, but the um, I can't remember the the, the name of the of the player, but um, at Haiti, um, the, the one of the players in the first game, um, she did a ACL, and it was quite a bad. That was one thing actually. I remember. You know, we're just talking about things that we've noticed. It reminded me of days gone by where basically she did a really bad injury and she's crying, and they kind of hobbled off on the shoulders of a couple of people helping out. I thought, yeah. I thought those days were gone now. You know, we had, um, you know, we have, mm. um, you know, carts and stuff like that. But um, just on that point, I, I do remember when I did do my ACL because you were there and you were very helpful. We were playing, uh, when we were playing for um, Hadlow Harrow. And I always remember in the back of the ambulance, the ambulance, uh, like one of the paramedics going, oh, couldn't you got one of your mates to take you down to the hospital? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I could have done, mate, but I couldn't actually get in a car because I couldn't bend my knee because it was all broken. So. Yeah, my so, my son did his ACL as well, playing, yeah, playing he did, football. And yeah. but the, yeah. um, I think a lot of the high-profile players, female players, have called for more research into it. And yeah. I think that's probably a sensible idea. But it, it does make me think, like, well, what's the what sort of direction is the research going to take? Is it going to look at yeah. incidences of them? And it's are there, weird. like precursors for it or is it just one of like because it's happens in the men's game too but obviously the incidence is that is a lot higher in the women's game i think it's, like, it's seven times higher in the women's game you're seven times i think it's it's something like that you're seven times more likely like, to do it this is it's a dangerous thing but then people go well, anecdotally they say oh well the hips are wider so therefore there's less yeah. stability around the knee joint but yeah. there's no doubt playing any field sport where you're like twisting a hinge joint you're running the risk of some yeah. an injury like ACL, like any field sport, it's yeah. a classic. Any, as I said, not just football, but like you know, any field sport, yeah. it's a it's a massive challenge because it's like you're swinging on a swinging on a door uh, sort of thing and, and and trying to twist the hinge, which is not a good yeah. thing to do. So I don't know whether the, the you know the, maybe there's certain therapies, maybe there's certain exercises, maybe there's things you can do to like. But how are you going to study that? Because like you, all, all you've got is this data of people that have done it, and yeah. then you then and then you kind of have to just reverse engineer like information about those people and when it got done and i don't know whether that's really going to give you much to do but i don't know i, mean, I don't know no, i'm not saying yeah. that the research isn't warranted but i'm just i'm just concerned that ultimately you know playing field sport you do have a much yeah. higher chance I, of doing would, an injury like that yeah i'm just not sure absolutely i would be interested to see um comparatively compared to say women's rugby both codes and mm. women's, you know, AFL, um, what the ratio yeah. is, like the amount of um, I think rugby, rugby's more kind of at right angles, isn't it? I mean, look, I'm, I'm sticking my neck out here and I'm not an expert, but you tend to well, run You don't want to stick more... your neck out when you're playing rugby, do you? No, there's other neck injuries you leave yourself yeah. open to. But you, you tend to run at your at your tackler and at your opponent's yeah, that's true. Straight. That's true. Like, AFL and and soccer, the round ball game. Certainly, you are yeah. kind of three sixty. You're moving back, forward, left, right. Yeah. Like there is a twist and there's a turn, and um, you know there's there's court sports, netball, and but then you're not wearing studs, so you, you, your feet yeah, aren't it's, digging it's into the ground. Very difficult one. So it's do like you you're digging in... your foot in and then twisting your knee, and it, it's like. You, what oh, I was going to say? Do you, do you remember in the early two thousands when bladed boots were? big and there was all this stuff about yeah. you know old pros were saying players are doing their ACLs because they were in bladed boots and it's how they grip in the turf and all that you know I, I, I just wonder with with women like 
they're looking at women's boots, like you said. I'm definitely the hip displacement, all that stuff. But ultimately, I don't, mm. I don't really know what you can do about it other than injury prevention, which are, you know, yeah, all the pros yeah. do Redu- anyway. I think, so. you can, I, think you, you, I think the research should act to reduce the incidence. I'm not sure you're yeah. ever going to eradicate it because ultimately, mm. twisting a hinge joint repeatedly with studs on grass is, is yeah, eventually certain that you're going to do it. Like not, not everyone, yeah. but like you know, there's, there's going to be a high, you're, you're increasing your risk. Of doing yeah. it, and uh, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be fatalistic and defeatist. But, no, no, no. Uh, when when people when people say let's do more research, I just think they need to ask a secondary question about well, what nature of research do you think is necessary? Yeah. Because we've got all this data that we know that it happens more in women. They've looked at the the, the, the angles of the the studs, like the the, uh, the yeah. blades, you know, and then maybe that's something something in that. But then I don't know how you study that. And I don't there's know all, how you show also, um, people evidence that it's better. But there's there's also like talking about like um like hormonal changes in women like like menstruation and stuff and they're saying about like the like that can affect the laxity of ligaments. I mean it's just like you know obviously we're not women so we don't know a lot about this stuff. But the um yeah it's, it's interesting. I would I would like to know where they've come out what they come out with because I know in the you know in mm. the men's game but FIFA have I think they call it FIFA 11 which is the official medically researched warm-up yeah. routine which it is good but at the, you know it's injury prevention essentially and it yeah. was based on preventing injuries like ACL injuries but yeah, yeah obviously yeah. for the women's game something different um before but, i'm just yeah. thinking before we take a little break maybe we'll just talk we, we did mention england briefly but let's talk a little bit about them and then we'll maybe have a yeah. little break england underwhelming but two one nils can't complain they scored a great goal in their second (laughs) in their second game a great game and yeah Yeah, we've mentioned about the um the 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 injury to Kira Walsh which she is a really important player and in fact if you watch the game the game changes when she went off like it was England were really amazing in that first probably 30 minutes or so and then it became a little bit like more frenetic and a bit more, a bit less controlled there was, when she went it, off. There I was think. a few chances. There was a few, yeah, they, they, they definitely lost control of the midfield. Yeah. I so England well. have got a bit of a, bit of a thing, yeah. bit of a choice to make uh, about who replaces her in the midfield yeah. in that position because I think it's, it's critical that they have a plan B, which they probably need to go to. She's on, I don't imagine she'll be back, but who knows but I don't think right. she will even if it's not an ACL there's lots of other knee injuries you can do uh, well, and that, only, uh, that will keep you out so and there's only a couple of weeks of the actual tournament left realistically yes, isn't it exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. alright well why don't we take a little break and then when we come back just we'll before maybe do we do yes just before breaking news breaking news um, the uh, Republic of Vietnam's kit manufacturer is Grand Sport there you oh, go okay I'm yeah, not familiar. Yeah, you probably you probably uh, heard of them um, if you're you know um, or not <laughs> if you don't live in Vietnam. But yeah, there's a few other some uh, of the South American teams, African teams often have their own. Uh, or Kelme and uh, yeah, a couple of different yeah. uh, versions. It's good so. to see Reebok, Reebok in there too. And this is, I think it's like, is it Costa Rica oh, or something? Reebok. Reebok. There's a couple of Reebok, yeah. there's a Reebok kit in there somewhere, which is a bit of a Well, I was just thinking the other day, because um, obviously we're both the same age. Did you ever have mitre boots when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. 
when did they stop making boots? Because they, when I was I a know. kid, Mitre boots were the boots that everyone wanted for like yeah. for a while. Would you remember like, Mitre, Mitre Deltas were the were the ball of choice uh, yeah. in, in the playground? I mean, the balls, as well, the ball, like apparently, Mitre's. yeah, the balls. Um, they could be making a comeback in the Premier League, by the way, or maybe oh. Puma. It's a bit of a because apparently Nike have lost the contract or for oh, um, okay. after this season. So stay stay alert I think for Puma, a future update. Puma, Puma make the championship ball. I think. Yeah, they they do. Yeah, and new balance. Yeah, and they may even make the Europa on. one, maybe. I don't know. Am I making that up? I can't remember. I think it's... And then Adidas Malta. have got the World Cup sewn up, haven't they? Adidas yeah. Have the but yeah, so Mitre, Mitre, I mean, Mitre actually supply a lot of balls in Australia for like the FA Cup and over here um, mm. and a lot of the local semi-pro competitions. So, mm. yeah, there cool. we go. All right, we'll, we'll take a little break. break. After that, yeah. on that bombshell, we'll leave that and then we'll come <laughs> back um, and talk a bit more after the break. See you in a bit. See you after the break. And welcome back to part two, when we're, we're going to do a little uh, tour through the World Cup groups, just to talk about yep. um, the sort of interesting finale to the sort of final group game. Although one group has been finalised because um, Switzerland and Norway have progressed, and un- annoyingly, and I was, you know, you're always hoping for the host to get something out of it. New Zealand, although they finished on the same number of points as Norway, their goal difference um, was significantly worse. Um, as a result, uh, they have not qualified. So that's disappointing. So Switzerland, Norway, probably who you'd expect to go through, actually, if you were yeah. at the start of the tournament, but you're kind of hoping for New Zealand. Um, the Nigeria, Canada, Australia, Ireland group, we've talked about that. And we're hoping, Aust- I think it's tomorrow night, isn't it, Matt? Is that right? Tomorrow yeah, it's night? tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, um, Australian Eastern Standard Time. for the. So uh, we're hoping Australian for an Australia Eastern. win. And they kind of need that yeah. because... Um, it's even if otherwise they're, yeah. otherwise they're relying on Ireland to beat Nigeria, which could happen, but based on Ireland's previous two results, maybe maybe not. Um, we've then got Group C, uh, which is looks like yeah, well that's done. Spain and Japan it's are through. Won both games. Yeah, England Denmark now. England are through. Um, or are they through because they basically uh, need a, they a get point to guarantee really heavily. Yeah, if they get beat really heavily um, by China, and then um, Denmark, yeah, they'd have to. Oh, actually, that could happen, couldn't it? So if China beat yeah. England heavily, and then Denmark also win, but they're yeah, you'd be you'd be backing them to get through. They also only need a point, so yeah, just need a point, yeah. Um, and then you got the US and Netherlands. That's a that's a tough um, one. Because, that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because USA play Portugal, and Portugal have never beaten the USA, so you'd imagine the USA go through. But I'd imagine Netherlands would be looking over their shoulder a little bit, wouldn't they? Thinking, you know, this could all evaporate in front of you. Well, I remember we said in our in our preview, Matt, Portugal are one of have have risen up the rankings. Yeah, they really have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've improved loads. But yeah, I think you probably back the top two to get through. Given the Netherlands have got to play Vietnam. And it's yep. the United States, who we know are um, top pedigree favourites to go on. Yeah. Now, this Group F is an interesting one as well, because Definitely. I'm actually attending the Jamaica-Brazil game on Wednesday night in Melbourne. That's a big, that's a big um, game, given that Jamaica is second yeah. and Brazil are third. Yeah, yeah. And, and Brazil will know that a win 
we'll we'll get them up because they'll go above Jamaica. You know, whatever happens in the other group. Um, yeah. And Jamaica will also know that um, a draw will be enough for them, but Brazil need to win. So it's kind of like an interesting dynamic in that one. Um, France, France were impressive against Brazil. Did you see it? Yeah, they were. Um, they the Brazil were okay. Like they were good. Like attacking wise, they were good. But France just they kind of. Yeah. I, I was pretty impressed with them. Really, that that, that it was only two one, but it could have re- really France could have got another couple of goals yeah. there. Brazil. They they reminded me a little bit of the men's team in the last World Cup actually, where they actually played some really nice football, but just yeah. didn't really do anything. Um, and they were and quite um, poor defensively again, or quite fragile defensively, I should say. But mm. yeah, it's a that's a good game. Given, that, going given, to. That, given that they're playing Panama, you'd expect them to get at least a point, if yeah. not win that one. So they're probably yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and it's one of Brazil or Jamaica. Um, I'd probably fancy yeah. Brazil actually, given what I've seen of the two teams. I'd probably fancy Brazil. They've got the but, pedigree. Yeah. 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 And, oh, interestingly um, Hervé Renard is now the not only the first person to coach two teams women and men's World Cup he's also the first person to win two games well, he, he, he um, got quite angry at the end of the game last, last night against in, I just read he was, like, he was in, a, in a fight or something was that right I don't know I, he, I, he, got, he got a bit he got a bit animated um, it, and yeah I don't really know what happened at the end but he was not a happy bunny so no, yeah, yeah. No. Well, there you go uh, Group G so Sweden are there on six. Uh, it looks like they're through. Um, and yeah, and then one of um, Italy. Um, and yeah, Italy are in second on, on three points. So they would be favourites to progress. Um, probably, yeah, South Africa and Argentina just on the one kind point. Of a, so. But again, it's quite interesting though, because oh, um, you got Italy and South Africa play each other. Italy currently above South Africa but if South Africa beat Italy they'll go above them and yeah. could qualify oh, so, so it's so, sort of... yeah so South Africa have got something to play for there yeah. haven't they so, you um, know, you'd expect Italy Sweden on. probably to beat Argentina but but who knows and they don't really need to, to do that so um, Sweden are, I think that makes Sweden through doesn't it because they yeah Sweden yeah. are through mathematically yeah, yeah okay. pretty much done um, and then the final group which is also intriguing because you've got Colombia on six points who we're just looking at this result and yeah, uh, Germany equalised in the 89th and then yeah. Colombia then scored the winner in I think seven minutes of, yeah, of added 14 time, minutes so. of added time at the end of the second half and, yeah. in, the, and in the seventh Quite minute they scored so Germany yeah. uh, Colombia now topped the group and then yep. Germany and Morocco are both on three so uh, South Korea then haven't haven't got any points yet, and they're on the bottom. So right. again, that's poised again, isn't it, for the last game? So yeah. Uh, yeah, who knows be, whether Germany good. or Morocco will go good. through? Yeah, yeah. so You'd we'll think see. Probably we'll Germany, Colombia, and Germany would go through, but Morocco would be there snapping at their heels. So yeah, but obviously all eyes will be turned to the Matildas do or die clashes. We've talked about a bit um, yeah. in the first half um, tomorrow tomorrow evening so yeah, yeah allegedly Sam Kerr is fit to play but um, Gustafsson the the Australia coach wasn't giving anything away but apparently yeah Sam Kerr could be fit and I think um, should have a well obviously more attacking uh, more attacking prowess but yeah um, it, it, I'm hoping it's a good game and um, it's a good result good result for uh, Matildas because obviously as you just said New Zealand weren't really fancied much and they've gone out anyway and you need um, I think down down here with the way um, you know the way kind of football has this weird thing as we've said before where it's massively popular participation wise and, and 
and outside of like you kind of to use the horrible phrase mainstream media it is a, it's it's still it's much more popular than people realize but i think if you lose a, if you lose both host nations you it will still be you know the, the the people still go to the games they bought tickets for but the, the kind of um the buzz around it all will, will kind of die away quite quickly so yeah i think it's in it you know hopefully the matildas can do the biz tomorrow night and we'll all be happy uh English slash Australians uh, on Tuesday morning. So yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, we'll see. Now, prior to the uh, start of this podcast, Dan, you were talking about some goalkeeper based chat oh, yeah. that you'd had. Oh, it, it was good. Yeah, it stemmed from a conversation with my dad um, on the phone the other week. And he was talking, yeah. talking about goalkeeper. Can't remember how it cropped up, but yeah, the received right. wisdom is that um, you know top teams now. And Matt was talking about how this is like filtered down to sort of junior level, where whereby keepers there's an expectation now that goalkeepers are, are footballers, like i.e. Yeah. have feet that they can pass the ball, uh, <laughs> long, short, uh, they can turn, they can do you know do everything uh, an outfield um, player might be able to do. Um, and um, and then my dad we were talking about that, and then my dad goes, yeah, also. Uh, the body shape of goalkeepers has changed. Like, and he, he rattled off a few people such as, and he mentioned one guy, uh, Tommy Lawrence, who I'll come back to in a minute. But then I kind of came back, oh, yeah, because of Neville Southall and John Burridge and Andy Gorham, and, you know, another one, sort of 90s guy. Even, like, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but even Peter yeah. Shilton, but, you know, he wasn't like, yeah. you know, he was yeah, six he was foot and quite stocky, wasn't he, when you yeah. think about I think it. he was even six foot, Peter Shilton. But, yeah, he was stocky, more rounded, um, Barrel-chested, let's let's say, uh, goalkeepers, yeah. and you don't really get though that sh- body shape anymore. And I, my reflection was that, or our reflection was that maybe you know, in the, in the decades ago, goalkeepers had to take a fair bit of physical punishment in the box yeah. corners, expected to like throw them throw themselves around, not just to, to like tip the ball around the post and and to sort of make amazing saves, but expected to really put their body on the line and 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 um, yeah deal with collisions basically with big center forwards and so on and maybe they don't have to do that anymore and, and that was the reflection he my dad did go on to yeah talk at length about tommy lawrence who was nicknamed the flying pig um who was um he, uh, he played for liverpool in that um you know in that sort of shankly era the late 60s early 70s team um he was actually from Ayrshire, which was same as same as Shankly, so he was a yeah. uh, same sort of part of the world as his manager. Um, he was fourteen Football. stone apparently, which you know it's not in my league, but it's uh, it's it's still pretty big for a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. And but then I was reading about him, and actually, um, he although he was the flying pig and he was uh, you know larger framed, he was actually the first sweeper keeper according to the very reliable Wikipedia. Um, yeah. And it was actually Shankly himself that wanted him to play that kind of sweeper keeper. He wanted, he expected him to come and be another defender with his feet um, on occasion. So and that, and that was kind of like it was kind of interesting because it's sort of like that was my sort of challenged my assumption that all goalkeepers all they did was like you know punch things and save and got massive goal kicks and that. That's all they did uh, and knock people around. Whereas actually he was expected to be that kind of sweeper keeper, which is the modern expectation. So it's kind of like from there um, into the modern day. The um, He was, interestingly, he was displaced by young Ray Clements. So he was, that was kind of yeah. the end of, end of his career at Liverpool. Um, and there's actually a really brilliant thing on um, on YouTube if you want to check it out. BBC Northwest. There was a so in 2015 there was a reporter going around just asking people whether they had any memories from a famous uh, the famous 1967 FA Cup um, fifth round. Yeah. 
uh, between Liverpool and Everton. It was like a Vox Pop thing where he went around with a microphone on the street and he interviewed this old guy and he said, oh, do you remember the FA Cup fifth round in uh, 1967? And this guy just started smiling and goes, yeah, actually, I played in it. And, I, and it was actually Tommy Lawrence. They just chanced on him in the street. Oh, wow. It's actually brilliant. Yeah, YouTube it. And there's also another video of them reflecting on the fact that he just, by chance, uh, found the goalkeeper from the actual game itself to ask about reflections. And you can see him just beaming like as he's being asked, yeah. like, oh, do you remember the Liverpool-Leverton? And he was like, yes, I do remember that. Like, like, obviously, he keeps his yeah. counsel, and then like, it's a really great moment if you want to go and have a look at it. But yeah, cool. but I just thought about that, and uh, yeah, have you got any reflections on any goalkeepers that you you sort of think of, Matt, as, as being a yeah? Well, well, it's I think um, we you know obviously knocking on fifty, some of the massive changes you've seen to football over the years, and absolutely goalkeeping is sorry, my mic just fell off my head there. Um, goalkeeping is a massive one because it's only it's if you think about it, it's only really. F- very recent that you've kind of thought as a football fan um, that goalkeepers have to do anything other than be very good at saving, if you're English, basically good at crosses, that's a classic English slash British thing, you know, they've got to be strong coming out for crosses, catch a cross, shot stoppers, get the ball away from the goal and the only time they really do anything with their feet is to make either a last-ditch tackle, um, which they shouldn't be doing anyway because they've come running out of their box, or they're basically punting the ball upfield from a goal kick or you know, um, or, a, or just a clearance. So the I've seen a massive change, though, like I, you just said there, in junior football but into men's like senior football as well. It is now expected because you've had almost a whole generation probably brought up. I would say in the last probably almost 15 years maybe a bit less that the expectation is a goalkeeper is good with their feet so um if you're not it's now it's now stands out and i would definitely say you know as an arsenal fan players like david seaman you're talking about different different physiques you had david seaman who was about six foot two weighed about 14 stone was was strongly built you know definitely not um you know like sculpted but had had carried some a bit of extra heft for him um but was very good very good goalkeeper obviously played for england and and arsenal for a long time but was he good with his feet i would say not very and you know we also had (laughs) um prior to that prior to that we i remember john lukic who was you know your kind of beanpole um you know dave besson players like that you had your your sort of beanpole goalkeepers who are like six do you want to hear my john lukic interesting fact do you want to hear my john lukic interesting fact i may may have said this to you before i don't know um very underrated Indirect survivor of the Munich air disaster. Did you know that? His mum no, was know. cabin crew on the plane yeah. that Man United, yeah. um, the, the, the Man United air disaster. So she yeah. survived oh, wow. that and then obviously went Jeez. on to have baby John. Interesting. I, huh? did, I what, did not know that. That is, that is mad. I did not know that. That's that my interesting, interesting fact of the day. Um, That's butterfly. The, I, think, yeah. I think the goalkeeper thing came up because it wasn't actually a discussion initially about goalkeepers as such, but it was more Mary Earps, the goalkeeper in the, the current Women's World Cup goalkeeper, was complaining yeah. that Nike were not selling the goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, for yeah. England. Yeah. You can't, you yeah. can't yeah. buy a replica yeah. one. And it made yeah. me think like, who buys a goalkeeper shirt anyway? Like, what weirdos wear a goalkeeper shirt to the game? So, at risk of at risk of alienating all our podcast subscribers that like goalkeeper shirts, who buys one? Like, honestly, like, yeah, I mean, I, maybe if you've got like, yeah. uh, I don't know, uh, Dino's I, off. I don't know. Like, I think one like, of my I'm kids had one. Think, you know, 
I think I think one of my boys had an Arsenal one at some point. Yeah, yeah he had a, sh- a Chesney. Not it would it was a Chesney was one it, that we maybe got. Was it Chesney or was it Seaman on the back? No, I think it was no, no, <laughs> that, yeah, no, no. Um, it it uh, there was no Seaman on the Insert back. Insert no. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I think it was um, off of eBay. But um, yeah, no, it, it's. I do honestly think that the evolution of goalkeepers like is massive, and now we literally just expect goalkeepers to be good. Like you were saying earlier about David De Gea, who's clearly an amazingly good goalkeeper, has mm. been Man United's player of the season. He's now been binned by Man United, and the whole thing is always oh, rubbish with his feet. And you think, yeah, but it's only it's it's just mad how it's suddenly gone from you have to now not only be incredibly good at being a goalkeeper, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of preventing goals being scored, but you have to be good with your feet. I remember Arsenal signed Petr Cech from Chelsea. Didn't really work out that great. And he was massively exposed as being not very good with his feet because we then were playing a system that required the goalie to play the ball a lot. And people will say, you know, back in the early 2000s when like Arsenal were winning titles and stuff and we played an amazing brand of football... We still, if you watch those games, if you watch, you know, you've only got to literally go on YouTube and watch match of the day highlights from 20 years ago. The goal, and when we were playing as young lads, you know, every play, every restart play when the ball went out for a goal kick was the goalkeeper would punt the ball and you'd compete in the air for the ball. There wasn't any any kind of passing out to your fullbacks, unless it was a quick throw from the goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper's skill, like the expectation is that you can play with your feet, but yeah. it's like the bar raises because it's not at the expense of being able to be a shot stopper and being good on no, crosses. Not and, at all. and you've got to be, and your positional sense and all of those, yeah. and athletic, all of those things have to also be the case. So I think, I think it's yeah. just an overall raising of the bar. But if you're yeah. a junior that hasn't, like, as you said, been exposed to playing that way, um, then... Yeah. It's tricky because you can still be a brilliant goalkeeper, and like historically, yeah, there absolutely. were some. You'll never play I mean, at the top. Peter level. Schmeichel never, never like you know was expected to sort of knock it around no. at the bat or fight raking diagonal no. diagonal balls or you know. Um, but you watch like you know the the, the Man City Edison and uh, Allison, yeah. and you watch Jordan Pickford as well, and they're they're very very sort of it's like they're very always like looking for those long and short passes from from the area but also looking to sort of like recycle the ball and not just lump it long and and do those things so yeah it's um it's a really interesting sort of evolution i think i think probably the position that's changing changed the most um yeah of of, of any position uh, just because of the way the expectations on on those players and but it is a weird position why would you buy a guy i don't know i I don't understand why i'm just gonna say though just quickly if you remember well you won't remember but obviously growing up in England, Fatty Folks, William Fatty Folks, the Chelsea goalkeeper from back in the Victorian era, he weighed 24 stone and was six foot two at the the literal height of his career. So I think we've moved on from from those days. But yeah, it's it's, it's a big change. It's a big change, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, I think we might might leave it there for tonight, Matt. And maybe yep. we'll come back and do another one in a few days once we've done those results. When those some of those groups yes, we've talked about have come to fruition, then uh, and we'll talk a bit. Hopefully, we'll be reflecting on uh, Australia and England being in the the, uh, the next, let's, next let's round. Hope we'll so, eh? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. Cool. See you, everyone. Don't forget danamatsfootballchat.com, um, and uh, you can subscribe to us using Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, um, yes, see you later. You can. See ya. Take Cheers. care. Bye. Bye, everybody.